I think God's amazing. His timing is extraordinary. And we don't see it necessarily at the time when God is at work. But when we look back and see his ordering of things, it's incredible. Wang is here tonight. As you were talking about 1998 when you arrived from, from Egypt, that was God. Because your voice and Johnson's voice saved this church. <laughs> we were in the midst of an almighty contest, having challenged Freemasonry in the Presbyterian Church of Victoria not realizing actually what spiritually that meant. But the unleashing of opposition was, it would have wiped us out. But God knew that. And he brought voices from another land with different colored skin to speak for him here among us. And he saved us. God's timing is amazing. On the 21st of November 2021, Lamb and I determined we would start preaching from 1 Samuel. No, well, that's 15 months ago or something like that. Just last Sunday, we started in 2 Samuel. This week, we are leading up to Easter when we remember the most significant events in human history. Two events that are the most significant events in the history of the world in which we live. The death of Jesus on a cross at Calvary and his resurrection from the dead three days later. They have changed the whole state of humanity forever. And they go on changing the state of humanity. So why is this all significant? The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, declared by the last prophet of the Old Testament to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the man who healed the sick, cast out demons from oppressing and possessing men and women, boys and girls, created in the image of God, who raised his friend Lazarus from the dead, and then who offered himself freely to die a cruel and humiliating death on a cross so that those who believe in him could be restored to his father and their father in heaven. To give each one who believed in him the position he had as the prince of heaven. Do you know who you are today? You know, we're living in a world that is desperately trying to find its identity. People are scrambling for identity, desperately trying to say, who am I? And Jesus on the cross gives you and me an identity that is so incredibly transforming for us. He declares to you and me, 
You have my place now and I take your place. That's what he says. On that cross at Calvary, he says, I will take your place and you can have my place. That's what he said to Mary when he rose from the dead. Don't touch me. I have not ascended to my father and your father. You are a princess today. You are now a daughter of God. But why is this significant in relation to 1 Samuel? Because today we are at 2 Samuel chapter 1. And the story here is about David responding to the failure of Saul and the army of Israel to defeat its enemies. Having come back himself from a a wonderful victory where he has triumphed after himself failing hopelessly, sinning against God and against his own people, ending with his own family and the family of his friends being captured and taken off. They wanted to kill him. But he repented. David did, Neville, what you shared with us tonight. He realized the problem was not there. It was here. He humbled himself before God and strengthened himself in the Lord. And then he asked God, shall I go and fight these enemies? And because he had strengthened himself in the Lord, God said, go, you will win the battle. He came back victorious as lamb preached, everything restored. God restored the whole lot to him. And he could see again what God could do when we humble ourselves, when we acknowledge our total dependence on him. But he comes back and hears of Israel defeated, of Saul killed and Jonathan killed in the battle. And he is absolutely broken lamenting it says here and David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan his son verse 17 and he said it should be taught to the people of Judah in other words this lamentation should be taught to others to recognize the devastation of defeat God's people are not to be defeated We are not to lose the battle. The battle with Freemasonry and the Presbyterian Church and in this nation. We are not to lose this battle. God intends this battle to be won. And I can tell you when it's won there will be revival. There will be the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because these powers of darkness are opposing the coming of the Spirit. But God sent men because he's going to win the battle. It's his battle, not our battle. God's people are to win the battle. And David, in recognizing what has happened to Israel, Saul and Jonathan sees the devastation of God's people not truly 
trusting him and relying upon him and being humble before him and strengthening themselves in the Lord for then they will win the battle. And something has happened for David that is so deeply heart-wrenching. He has lost his best friend. You know, some of you tonight have lost your wives, your husbands. But David said the love of this man to him was better than the love of a woman. The love of this man is the love that God wants every one of us to have for each other. If there is one man in the Old Testament who truly represents the one who is to come, it's this man. Jonathan. Who is Jonathan? The son of the king. Who won mighty battles with Saul. David refers to it in the lamentation. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely in life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. Jonathan, this dear man, And as David reflects, he's broken over the defeat of God's people. Jonathan was the one who had protected David from his father's jealousy and anger. Who'd finally declared his complete support for David as God's chosen heir to the throne where he made a covenant with him taking off his armour and handing it over to David. We read in 1 Samuel 18, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. That is the kind of love God wants us to have for each other. To love one another as his own soul. That's the love of Jesus Christ for us. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armour and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. This was the kind of love that David felt from Jonathan. Jonathan was surrendering his position as heir to the throne and handing it over to this young shepherd boy who was his dearest friend. He was surrendering everything he had for David. And David laments as he hears of Saul and Jonathan's death. Your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Notice he says, tell it not in Gath. Don't speak of this to the enemies. Don't let the enemies think that we're a defeated nation, even though at this point we are defeated. But this is only one battle. We are to win. 
The enemy is not to think that he's on the strong side. We're on the stronger side. The mountains of Gilboa, they are... The Mount Gilboa is about two-thirds of the way up from Jerusalem to the Sea of Galilee. It's right in the middle of the land of Israel. And that's where Saul and Jonathan died. Right in the midst of their country. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan, says David, lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, says David, surpassing the love of women. Surpassing the love of women. You know, sadly, people interpret David's relationship with with Jonathan in a completely inappropriate way. This love is not eros. It's not even phileo, which is the love of brothers. This is the love of God. This is a covenant love that binds a person to the other person. This is the agape love that God intends to put into our hearts. For that that love was in in the heart of Jesus Christ on the cross. This love is patient and kind. This love does not envy or boast. Did, did, did Jonathan envy David? Did he, did he boast that he was the son of the king to David? Was he arrogant? Was he rude? Did he insist on his own way? Was he irritable or resentful? Did he rejoice at wrongdoing? Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. This is the kind of love that was in the heart of Jonathan for David, willing in the end to be slaughtered. Why didn't he just forsake his father and join David's side? Why not? His father was trying to kill David. Why did he go and fight a battle with his rebellious father against the Philistines and get killed? What does God say about our relationship with our earthly fathers? Honour your father. Jonathan had said to David in 1 Samuel 20, May the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. May the Lord be with you as he's been with my father. God had been with Saul. And then he'd said in verse 14 of chapter 20, 
If I am still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord that I may not die. Do not cut off your steadfast love from my house forever. When the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth, and Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord take vengeance on David's enemies. And Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. This is why David is so deeply distressed that his dearest friend Jonathan has died in the battle when Saul the king was no longer relying on God, the God of Israel. Well, Jesus was the same. This is Palm Sunday today. Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, the the place God had called for his name to be known on earth. But the people of God were defeated. They were under Roman rule. They'd sided with the, the Romans. They were not gloriously revealing the character of God. The crowd thought Jesus was going to overthrow the Romans, didn't they? Hosanna! Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. We'll get rid of these rotten Romans. That's right, Neville, the problem's over there, isn't it? The problem was here. As Jesus rode towards Jerusalem... They were spreading their cloaks on the road. He was drawing near. The Pharisees and the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. But then Jesus is recorded in Luke's gospel. He drew near to the city and he wept over it. He lamented over Jerusalem. Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. If only Saul had known the things that make for peace, Jonathan would not have died. If only Jerusalem and you and I had known the things that make for peace. But we don't know. We think the problem is always out there with our wives or our children or our friends or the minister or or our elders or something. The problem is always here. It's always here. We accuse other people of not loving us, but that's not the issue. Where is our love for them? Jesus said, you must love one another as I have loved you. When there was no love flowing to him, he loved us. When there was no love flowing, he was full of love. And Jonathan, 
shows us that love. And Jesus said, would that you had known the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For what was about to happen to Jerusalem was the most devastating destruction to that city that owned the name of God as in AD 70 the Roman ruler Titus surrounded Jerusalem, besieged it and horrendous things took place in that city. But tonight David is lamenting the death of Jonathan. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. We're coming to Good Friday. And every one of us will see our Jonathan slain. Why? Why is Jesus slain in the battle? Because of our sin. Because of our corruption. But the one who is heir to the throne gave up the throne for you and me. And John tells us that disciple who describes himself as the one whom Jesus loved, yes, with the love of Jonathan, says this, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. For they said the problem was all out there. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, He gave the right to become children of God. Born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Today, we come to the Lord's table. Jesus calls us, like Jonathan called David, to make a covenant with him. Amen.